Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast was recorded in Brisbane, Australia, the land of the terrible, Yagara, and Yagurable people. And we acknowledge all elders past, present, and emerging. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Story Chunder podcast, the podcast where Brisbane people tell unbelievable true stories from their lives for your delight and amusement. This week, our theme was Primal Instinct, and we got down to those base feelings that make us do what we have to do when our brain turns off. And uh, I've got a nice lineup today, so I hope you enjoy it. This is Matt Young, as always, and this is recorded at Backdock Arts in Brisbane, Australia, on Monday, 27th July. Our first storyteller is a singer, actor, podcaster. Of course, you may have heard her on here before. It's Asabi Goodman. So tonight, the theme is primal instincts. And I had to think about that for a minute to kind of think about what exactly that means. So to me, primal instinct means acting without thinking. You know, you get put into a situation and you just automatically react. And so I had to think about what kind of stories do I have that would fit this topic. Um, I think about, you know, you hear these stories about a mom who's trying to save her child and she all of a sudden finds the string that lifts a car. Yeah, okay, I haven't actually done that. I'm not a mother. Um, But I do have a couple of stories that I think fit this topic. So the first one, it does involve a car and me in a car, um, a giant Ford Escalade. And I don't know if you truly know what that looks like, but if you've watched a lot of rap videos, you would have seen these giant Ford Escalades and the rappers always driving in, you know, drinking their gin and juice or whatever. And so my aunt happened to have a car like this. Um, we were, she was driving me, I was visiting her in Oakland, California, which is, you know, a rapper's haven. And so everybody has an Escalade out in Oakland. And we were driving somewhere, and she lives on this road that is, uh, it's, it's like a hill, and the bottom of the road leads to a cliff. And if you, you know, you can go and you can stand up, you can see all of Oakland. So it's really beautiful, just a beautiful view. So we were driving, she was driving me to the gym, of all places. And we had my cousin at the time, who was probably, a year or so sitting in the child seat in the back. Now, my aunt is a very, um, oh, what's the right word? She's a, a bit of a shitster, if you will. She's always trying to get into other people's business. You know, she's driving down the road, oh, I can't believe they did this to their garden, blah, 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 blah. You know, she's gotta get out, she's gotta go tell someone off and you know, constantly telling people, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. She's always in everybody's business, right? So. She's taking me to the gym. We've got my little baby cousin in the back seat, and she sees something in a flower bed 
in her neighbor's yard. I don't know. She's just going off about it. She's going to go and you know, she's gonna stop the car and go and tell him, you know, oh, you need to change this or whatever. So she goes to get out of the car. And instead of putting the car in park, I'm not exactly sure what she actually did. She, she just, you know, it has a handbrake on the side of the steering wheel. And so she moved that handbrake into some position, goes to get out of the car, but she doesn't put the car in park. And so the car starts rolling down the back of the street towards this cliff, and she falls out. I'm buckled, sitting in the passenger seat, and I just kind of, you know, watch as everything goes into this slow motion, and she's falling out of the car, and my baby cousin is in the back seat, and we're rolling towards the back of this cliff. And the next thing I knew, I was sitting in the driver's seat, holding the steering wheel with my foot on the brake. We were at the back of the cliff, almost about to go off it. I have no idea how it happened. I don't remember it happening. I don't remember unbuckling myself and jumping over this giant console that probably was about to hear on me, like right at my chest. Don't remember it. I just remember being in the driver's seat with my foot on the gas, or my foot on the brake, sorry, foot on the gas. Foot on the brake, the car was sitting at the bottom of the road. My cousin was just cooing in the back, and everybody had run out of the house because they all saw the car roll to the, down to the bottom of the hill. We survived, we lived. That was my, the first primal instinct story that I now, the second one is a bit more of a, uh, I'm gonna call it a motherly instinct. Um, I, my parents, so I used to live in California, and my parents came to visit me one year, and we took a trip down to San Diego to watch whale watching, because that's what you do in San Diego, right? So we had gone on this boat, and it was really choppy water, and a lot of people were getting seasick and, and throwing up off the side of the boat. I've had some issues with seasickness in my life, so I was just kind of sitting somewhere, just like, well, let's just hope I don't get sick. And so all the, like, there were lots of uh, German exchange students, and they were all hurling off the back of the boat. So I didn't want to be anywhere near them because I was like, if I see that, I might get sick. So I'm sitting with my parents, and I just look over, and I see this little girl, and she's sitting with her mom, and her mom is just really, you know, chatty, 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 like, oh, honey, let's go do this, and let's look at this, and we're gonna see some whales, are we excited about this? And this little girl's just kind of sitting there, and as I'm watching her, her face is just kind of slowly going green. And I'm just thinking, oh, that doesn't look too good. You know, and my parents are like, oh, what are we gonna do after this? This is, you know, a good time. So we're kind of having our own little conversation, but I'm still just watching this poor little girl out of the side of my eye. And then all of a sudden, the boat hits some choppy water, and it kind of bounces up a little bit, and I see this little girl run to the side. And I don't know how I did this, but I immediately ran to the front. I got two tissues, not one, but two, and I asked to have one wet, so the bartender made it wet. And then I went over, and I held her hair back as she threw up over the side of the boat. And her mother just kind of sat there stunned because she didn't realize what was happening, but here I am just helping this little girl and I consider this my mother instinct sort of kicking in. And then, you know, I gave her the wet cloth to wipe her face and then the dry cloth to wipe that off. And she was completely, you know, shocked because she's like 12 and she's sitting here throwing up in front of people. And all I could think was, I just need to help you. And so after that ride, when we, you know, we got back to shore and we walked off, she came up and she said thanks. And her mom was like, how did you even know to do that? And I said, I have no idea. I just, I did. And I was just there. So those are my two.
two stories. Thanks for that, Asabi. And don't forget to listen to her podcasts, Wine in Sympathy and Shuffology. And look for her singing in gigs around Brisbane. Our next storyteller is Jay Ma. Jay is an actress. She actually has a film on the international film circuit right now that was filmed during isolation, which is pretty awesome, called Together. So check that out. And Jay um, told us a story about uh, a lion cheating boyfriend and how she got her revenge. She told me to remind you all she's just really a nice person. But, um, you know, sometimes we follow our primal instinct. Enjoy. Um, so first of all, I just want to put a disclaimer into this. Um, basically, um, doesn't matter what you hear, I am actually a very sweet person. Um, there will be swearing um, and there will be a little bit of craziness, but I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And also, I did have a glass of rosé and normally I'm not a big drinker, so um, if I fall down, just... So, <laughs> so um, the story is about revenge on a cheating ex-boyfriend. Um, been going out with this guy for about eight months and um, you know everything's going well. He's in the entertainment industry as well and you know we get on very good. One night um, after the show, that, because he's a singer after the show, and I got home, I got a message on my Facebook fan page, on my fan page um, from a girl. She said, oh, hi, Jema. I just want to let you know that I've used some of your makeup remover. Um, hope you don't mind. And I was like, okay, I will buy. So I messaged her back. Turns out he has been seeing this girl for the entire eight months that we've been going out as well. You guys will say boom. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, so, <laughs> so obviously that was really bad. Um, then she also told me not only um, he's been seeing her at the same time, he was also trying to get back with his ex. So he was basically three times, like three timing, three different women, right? Oh. Right? Yeah. So um, I decided to actually meet up the two other women um, to have a big discussion. So it's like the movies, um, we arrange a catch-up at the casino, so um, the ex, the other girl, and myself will all just, you know, talk about what's happening, like, and it, at first I didn't believe it, but then when they show me all the text messages, basically all the content is exactly the same, except the names changed, you know? Yeah, so I was like, okay, so I was upset, but I thought to myself, there's two ways I can go about it, right? Like I could basically just be a crybaby and cry, cry, cry and tell him he's a motherfucker or, <laughs> or I could um, play my revenge. So obviously I did my revenge. So I thought to myself, what is the best way to get him back? Because nobody fucks with Jayma like that, right? <laughs> yes, I just spoke in third person. So um, I decided that I'm going to arrange an anniversary dinner because it's been eight months since we've been together um, and I decided to meet him at the restaurant there um, and also when I'm having dinner with him I, I organized the two other women to show up so that was my whole idea right um, so I beforehand I actually got a trophy made yeah, a trophy. So <laughs> I went to I went to the um, the trophy shop as you call it, and uh, you know um, I 
said to the guy, so I'm looking for a trophy that I can engrave on. Um, and he's like, oh, okay, what's the trophy? I'm like, oh, you know, something that's really humiliating. Something that would destroy somebody's soul. Um, so I ended up with a trophy. Um, I'll show you guys. I put it in the Smeagol's bag just so that I'm sweet. But um, the trophy turns out to be a horse ass. <laughs> yes. Um, so um, straight underneath there, it's actually got his name. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but it's slowly raining, but you can just beep it out. <laughs> um, on the side, it's got cheating coward. On the other side, it's got asshole. And then on the back, it's got J Ma. So um, I decided to give him this on our special anniversary dinner. So he was really happy. We arrived in the restaurant well, separately. I had arranged my friends to sit behind the table behind us so they can film the whole thing. Like, you know, so I so I have like evidence that this actually freaking happened. Um, so he arrived, I told the weathers and the restaurant manager that tonight's gonna be a bit epic, but you guys will enjoy the show. <laughs> um, and they're like, okay, okay. I didn't tell them what's gonna go down. So he arrived and we're talking. I think the hardest thing was like you know, with all joking around, like I was still upset, like I was hurt. I mean, he wasn't the love of my life, but he cheated and you know, like it's not a nice thing to do. So I was like really upset, but I still had to like act like I'm so in love, so which I did. Um, so we ordered food first, then um, I gave him this present, but it was all wrapped in a big box and with lots of wrapping paper around. So he was sitting in front of me and I said to him, maybe, you know, you've been so sweet to me, so I actually got something specially made for you. Um, I gave the box to him, and he was so happy, and I said to him, oh, you know, because um, I, I got this made for you, so do you mind if I actually, like, film you? Like, to see, like, you know, to, to capture the moment. He was like, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't even have to secretly film him. So he was opening it and everything like that. So boom, he, got, he saw the trophy. And his reaction was like, oh my god, he didn't. Like, he was really upset. And just as he was about to walk out, the two other women walk, <laughs> walking from the outside. So pretty much, they were just having a big go at him. But everybody was like cheering us on. And we were just like in the restaurant. Like everybody was like cheering us on. And then in the end, he left. And then like the whole restaurant just clapped. And the funniest thing is, he didn't end up actually eating because by the time his food came out, I was just enjoying his food and my food. And <laughs> so yeah, that's my um, my story. <laughs> I've won many trophies in my life, but thank goodness I haven't won that particular trophy from Jay Ma. Our next storyteller is a comedian, a very popular comedian here in Brisbane named Shane Hunter. Shane's been all around Australia uh, with his comic stylings, and he decided to come on the Chanda and just share some of his musings on the theme of Primal Instinct. Shane Hunter, everyone. Hey guys, how you going? Good. It's good to be here with you guys. Uh, just a little disclaimer, just like Jay Ma, um, some of the stories I might tell you uh, might seem like it comes across that I'm an awful person. I just want you to know that's only because I am an awful person. So just want you guys to know that. Uh, but uh, my thing was about uh, laziness and morality 
And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually really good at avoiding responsibility. I'm like the Muhammad Ali of avoiding responsibility. Because <laughs> life will throw a jab at me. And it's like, Shane, you've been doing this shit for 10 years. It's time to go get a real job. And I'll slip it with an easy tape course. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm off to my third Cert 3 in business. Thanks very much. <laughs> but um, I'm interested in, uh, in, in how my, my late... Like, if you judged me by my intentions, you'd be amazed. You'd be like, wow, what an amazing guy. But if you judged me by my actions, you'd be like, what a piece of shit. What an awful <laughs> piece of shit. I have, hard, I have a hard time reconciling my intentions with my actions. And, uh, and I think this has a moral consequence, right? Because this guy on a bus was telling me that, Shane, in your lifetime, you're going to have a meaningful relationship with a thousand people, and then that thousand, another thousand, and then that thousand, another thousand. So you indirectly influence a billion people in your lifetime. And I thought, wow. So that means that when I smoke bongs, I smoke bongs for the whole world. Amen. One small bong for Shane, one giant bucket bong for mankind. But, um, but even in a more uh, direct level, rather than the macrocosm, my, my irresponsibility like impacts people. Like uh, I accidentally poisoned my girlfriend. Like sometimes we'll have uh, like cannabis cake in order to enhance the sexual experience, you know. And I accidentally gave her too much. And she had a psychosis and she thought that the house was on fire and she was like freaking out thinking she was going to lose her job and the police were coming. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what have I done? Oh my God, we're probably not going to have sex. What have I done? <laughs> but um, so I'm, I'm interested in this, this, uh, this divorce between our intentions and our actions. Uh, by show of hands, who's ever tried to do anything? It's hard, isn't it, right? <laughs> Um, has anyone ever tried to quit smoking or anything here? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was your experience? I still smoke. You still smoke, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, would you find you'd do like kind of like ways of like cheating? Like you'd be like, oh, I haven't had a cigarette for a week. I think I've earned a cigarette. Oh, yum, 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 yum. Like you always do those mental gymnastics to just justify what you want to do. And so it's really amazing, like uh, that, that process. Does anyone uh, uh, know about like those really right-wing politicians in America that were like really anti-gay people, how they would catch those guys sucking dick? Yeah. Like I wonder if they would go through the same kind of mental gymnastics to rationalise that? Oh, go on Gary, you've had a big day screaming about the gays. Yeah, go on, you've heard this dick Gary, yeah, you can't treat yourself. No, it's Friday night mate, you put off the weekend. But tomorrow it never comes. But Gary does. <laughs> but you know, I'm always doing that. Like I'm always, I'm always really good about my intentions rather than the actions. Like I'm always celebrating too quickly. Like I'll always be like quitting weed as I'm smoking a cone. Do you know what I mean? And I'll be like, oh, this, this is awesome that you're quitting weed. Like I'll have one hand on the bottom and the other hand patting my back. Like, oh, that's all done, Shane. But um, how, how does this, uh, how does this process of uh, of, uh, of, of rationalization happen, you know, and apparently it's, it's cognitive dissonance where what we want is we want our beliefs and our actions to be aligned, we want them to be consonant, right? And so either we can change our actions to match our beliefs or we can change our beliefs to match our actions, right? And which one do you think is easier to do, right? So essentially what happens is your beliefs end up following your actions 
right? And your brain, like your frontal lobes, just become like a scummy defense lawyer for all your naughty behavior. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll, I'll like waste entire days one little salami slice of like self-deception at a time. Like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get all this stuff done, but you know, you know, first I gotta have a shower, you know, and then, you know, I've gotta have a wank in the shower. You know, get rid of the tension, relax a little bit. And you know, I've spent a bit of energy masturbating, so now I should eat some food to get some energy back. And then I've gotta wait for my food to go down before I do anything. And then five years go by, you know. Um, but, uh, like, I'll, I'll give some other examples of, of, of this process of, of how beliefs match um, actions and stuff. Like, uh, like uh, for example, my Dave, uh, my mate Dave, he, um, a lot of people would tell Dave he's a loser, he's unsuccessful, he's, he hasn't achieved anything. And he would say, no, I am successful, I always wanted to be a loser. <laughs> or or my, my other friend recently got uh, diagnosed with um, diabetes, or as we call it, the sugar aids. And, and he told me a few years before he got sugar aids that he um, was actually trying to put on weight, right? Like, so, so that was his brain trying to be like, no, I'm not in, not in control of the, the biscuits I'm eating at 3am. I'm actively trying to do that so that he could uh, avoid that ego loss. And I find that process really interesting. And I've hung shit on two of my friends. So I'll give you an example of my um, crazy bullshit. I was, uh, I was dating a, a girl in Sydney, really nice girl, and then I, I moved uh, back to Brisbane and I, I broke up with her. You know, I gave that usual, because it's hard to be honest when you break up with someone, because I'm a selfish person and I want to sleep with other people. Like, I couldn't tell her that, so I was like, oh, I need space, I want to be single, I'm not ready, you know, all this kind of crap. And, you know, she was like, understanding, which was nice. And then uh, I started seeing someone straight away in Brisbane. And then I went back down to Sydney a few months later and I said, hey, I'm in town, let's catch up. And she met up with me and she's like, oh, what's been going on? And I told her that I was seeing someone in Brisbane and she was upset. She was like, well, why didn't you tell me that? I don't, I wouldn't have come to meet you if, if that was the case. I said, oh, just wait one second, one moment, one moment. And I went into the Pogies Lounge and I called the girl in Brisbane and I broke up with her, right? Because in my brain, it's not cheating if I, if I just call her up and break up with her, right? And so I went, I went, I was like, oh, that's okay. And then I went and told the girl, the Sydney girl, that I, I, I'm single now, I just broke up. And she was like disgusted, right? And she, <laughs> she just like left. And then in my brain, I felt like I was the victim. Because I, I, I could, I told the truth. You know, this is why nice guys finish last. You know, you try to do the right thing. Try to do the right thing and this is what you get. You know, like I felt like I was somehow being punished for that? Like, isn't that amazing, all that crap? <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this machinery of, uh, uh, you know, this is a primal instinct, this machinery of, of uh, the way that our ego distorts our realities. Like, so this machinery happens on a personal sense, but it also explains like crazy belief systems and stuff. Like, I don't know if you guys um, recently heard about, in, in America, there was someone who, um, uh, went to one of these COVID-19 uh, parties where people believe that it's the virus is like a conspiracy, it's not real. And so when someone gets diagnosed uh, positive, throws a party and this person attended and then they end up sick in a hospital bed and like really sick and they turned to the um, nurse and they said, I think I've made a horrible mistake. I thought it was a hoax. And then they died soon after, right? Doesn't, do you realise what that means? Do you realise what that tells us? It means the government killed him in order to silence the truth <laughs> about COVID. 
right? The same way I did that is I, I did what a conspiracy theorist would do, where it seems, it, it seems a lot easier rather than um, taking, let's say our beliefs are like a Jenga tower, right? Of like little, little blocks of beliefs, right? It's, a, it's very hard to like undermine the foundations of that tower of like shit, right? And it's, it's a lot easier to just write another chapter in the fantasy novel of your life. Like, oh, you know, you know she, uh, she deserved it or whatever, you know. Um, and so, um, so I'm, uh, um, I don't know what she deserved, man. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, um, so I'm interested in, um, sorry, I'm just getting my thoughts together. I'm, I'm interested in this, because what you, okay, so why, avoid cognitive dissonance, right? Why, why try to get yourself aligned? These, instead of having your beliefs follow your actions, what if you could have your actions follow your beliefs? Right? What if you could have integrity? Right? Because like every time, like I'll give you an example, like during uh, lockdown, my girlfriend, she was going to work at hospital jobs, you know, awesome stuff, and I didn't have a job. Right, so I was just flying at home all day. Like it, each day was a spiral into like more and more video games and masturbation. And as she would come home that last hour before she would come home, I would start like cleaning up so it looked like I was doing something. And then she'd be like, "Oh, what did you do all day?" I was like, "Oh, very busy, lots of projects." You know, I lied, right? And I traded my last scrap of integrity because integrity can be uh, measured in units called scraps. Right, so I traded my scrap of integrity so she could respect me while I lost my own self-respect, right? And so apparently what you can do is if you, instead of trading your scraps of integrity, if you can collect enough, what you can actually afford is you can buy, when someone asks you what you've been up to, it doesn't feel like a personal attack. Yep, okay. Yep, okay, yeah, that's a sort of an interesting reaction there. So. Uh, uh, just a, a few more thoughts that I'm, I'm trying to stitch together. Because a lot of the time we, we put a lot of energy into trying to get other people to think good of us rather than trying to get our own self-respect. Yeah. Like, does anyone remember that show, Pit My Ride? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where they put like an aquarium in some guy's chute? Mm -hmm. as, if, as if that's the answer. <laughs> as if that's going to solve the problems, right? Like the solution should be to develop the aquarium within. What about that show, Pit My Character? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, oh yeah, just, just uh, one more thought. I think this is the role that um, classical religions would play. Is Because uh, when I was an activist, I used to be like, oh man, the government's corrupt. The government is corrupt. But then I realized that I'm a corrupt government. Do you know what I mean? And like my, my consciousness is like a crazy president that does whatever the fuck he wants to do. And my subconscious, like journalist at the White House, asking the hard questions. Uh, Mr. President, didn't you say you're going to start going to the gym? Uh, well, we are in a motivational recession at the moment. <laughs> and as motivation increases, jobs will increase. <laughs> and, um, and I think this is, a, a, like, a, despite the, the flaws of, you know, Buddhism and Christianity, I think it's, it's, it's always easier to see what's wrong about a system than what's right about it. Like, I think... One of the, the good things about, like I'm envious that I don't have like a church to go to, like I don't have that, because I'm not an idiot, I can't believe it, you know? And so like the closest thing I think a lot of Australians have to like a church experience where you're with your community um, is Centrelink. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that's the closest thing I have to a religious experience or whatever, and that just doesn't cut the mustard, do you know what I mean? Like I wish I could 
pray to that three times a day, like just fire my closest sound link and pray to that and go, yes, I will look for 20 jobs this morning. <laughs> Do that. Because I think, uh, I think the thing about uh, like religious worship is it creates like little reminders in your, in your brain that tries to make you less corrupt. Do you know what I mean? If you're trying to be Jesus or whatever. And so like, it's like, it, like if your brain's a computer, it's like having a little pop-up that pops up that says, you know those ones that go, are you sure you wish to continue? Like I wish I had that in my brain. Like if when I was about to do something wrong, it just pop up and go, are you, sh- are you sure you wish to be a piece of shit? Like just, you know what I mean? I'll still click it probably, but you know, like I wish, <laughs> I wish that I had that. Anyway, they're just some ideas or primal instincts and thanks for your time guys, appreciate it. Shane always brings a bit of a laugh to uh, the proceedings and make sure he's got a comedy history show about Brisbane, comedy and history together. So there you go. That's coming up. So keep an eye out for him. That's Shane, S-H-A-Y-N-E Hunter, because uh, he's quite a unique voice in the Brisbane comedy and storytelling scene. And our speaking of unique voices, our final storyteller for today is Charlene Masters. Charlene is uh, a regular contributor to the story Chanda. I always enjoy her candor and her um, activism and her excitement about life. And this is a lovely little story about um, her growing up in a very big family. Um, so my name is Charlene, um, and I guess the story that I'm going to share. Um, tonight is about my family, my family of origin, my family that I grew up in. So I'm a Cook Islander from the Cook Islands in the Pacific. Um, and we have, we ordinarily have large families. So um, I come from a family of nine. I'm the second youngest. Uh, so I have a younger brother and he's four years younger. And it was kind of like pods, you know, so my parents... Um, they got together when they uh, had children of their own. So imagine like the Brady Bunch, but then they had two more kids. So that's like where we come in. We're like the remix, you know what I mean? Um, so then with that, I'm the second youngest, but I'm also the oldest. So my baby brother and I would also always be left alone a lot of the Saturdays because my parents were doing things. Like, I don't know what they were doing, but I'm pretty sure I was too young to be left myself and in charge of my younger brother. So my parents, um, on Saturdays we'd go, and my brother and I, my brother's um, four years younger, and I was the boss of him, because that's the way it works. If you're older, you're the boss. Like, if my eldest brother, he's the boss of everybody, but like, I am the boss of you, because I'm, I am number eight, you're number nine, no, you're place, you know what I mean? (laughs) So that's how that works, and I relished in that power, and I still do. And my younger brother, Tutua, has a nervous disposition. So we hardly ever fought because he was just very eager, and still is very eager to just take orders and not have to think. Um, so he kind of just does what he's told, and I just do that boss person bossing him around. And so my parents would leave every Sunday, and we had one foxtail box in the house. So um, usually in the morning, my mum would make like big batches of Cook Island donuts. So they're these like what the what our particular island are known for these um, savoury donuts. And my mum would have these big plastic um, bowls, and she would make massive amounts of dough and then fry them off. And we would help her around the kitchen. Then they would go off and do stuff. And these bowls were like we used to swim in them. They were so huge, um, and they like stayed in our backyard in the back of our house. 
Um, so my parents would leave every Saturday, and me being the eldest, I had all the power then, and I ran that house like I wanted it to. So we would do chores, and then we would split the TV time evenly, because we had one Foxtel box. What I mean by evenly was that I would have the time most of the morning, and I knew my parents were coming home later, and I would just give my brother enough time to watch a show. But he never knew that it was like disproportionately unfair, um, because he was sweet. And so then I would just be like, yeah, this is how we go. Oh, mum and dad's home. Oh, I'm sorry. I wish we had more time, but we don't. And so that's how it went for weeks. And then one week he got really annoyed and really angry. And he went to the back. And I didn't see him for a while. I didn't care. I was watching like The Simpsons and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and watching all these shows. Um, and the thing is with my brother was that he holds things in. And he like stews on it for a while. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I've got it so good. Like, I've got it so good. My parents leave. I run this foxtail. I make myself snacks. I have got it so good. And you, but you know, with um, island families in particular, you are responsible for the bad actions of your younger siblings. So if they don't do the right thing and they get caught not doing the right thing, you get hit for it. You do. You do. And like, how many island kids have ever told you about all the bad stuff they did to their parents? None, because none of them survived. <laughs> they all died. They're all gone. Okay, and they're now living with their mama and papa in heaven, and they're beating them now as well. Okay, that's how it goes. So this particular day, my brother was like, I was like, sorry, I don't, you know, I'm going to watch my show up until 11. This is how it always goes, but he clued on now. He clued on, like, oh no, but every time I go to watch my one show, they come home in the middle of it. And I could tell, but I didn't care because I was selfish. And so I was there watching my show, doing my thing, and then I smelled barbecuing. And I was like, oh, so now he was barbecuing. And we had two old neighbors, like old, old, old. Like every house around us were old. So I was like, man, they must have their grandkids over or something. But anyways, I still didn't care. And then the smell of smoke got really like prominent. So I decided, oh, I'll go and I'll go check what's going on in the backyard. And I'm eating a snack and I'm walking out casually because this is my normal Saturday for months. And then I look out and then I see my brother who's ordinarily pretty nervous, just going back and forth from the back of my backyard to the front near my, the back of my house with this little tiny water bottle, like metal bowl, and just like, <laughs> And then he fills up this little bowl and runs over on his tippy toes to go like this. And then what is he doing? And I look and our back of the our backyard was had this big macadamia nut tree. It's on fire. Like the whole thing is on fire. It's it's like from about where that bottom of that cloth is to the air conditioner on fire. And my little brother, who's about nine at the time, and I'm about 13, has got this little bowl and is like trying to tippy toe to it and like distinguish, like extinguish this fire and run back, turn off, turn on, turn off, go back and then fl fling it onto this fire. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I saw mum's um, cooking bowls for the donuts melting. They've all melted onto the chair underneath the fire, uh, underneath the fire, underneath the macadamia nut tree. And he's just going back and forth. And I stood there eating my snack going, oh. Yeah. I 
guess he's going to die. Like, I just <laughs> guess that's... No, I'm not going to be a part of that. Uh, and I'm frozen there. I'm like, oh, could I help him? Should I just let him take it? Just take it? Because if I didn't see it, maybe I'll get less of it. And so he's just running back and forth. And there's a hose there. There is a hose. He could have just connected the hose and, and sprayed it down. But he's just going back and forth with this little bowl. And he looks at me and he looks at me and he's like, ah! he doesn't say no words. He doesn't say, Charlene, help me. He just goes, ah! and he keeps going. And I'm just like, oh, should I put my snack down? Should I let him? I mean, it's his fault, really. He shouldn't be out here anyway. He should have just been waiting in the lounge like we do. Um, and he just kind of just, look, at a certain point, you gotta, you got to do the right thing. Um, and so I connected the hose and I put out the fire and I told him when mum comes, just say it was like that. And when they ask more questions, just say, I don't know, it was like that. And then when they say, what were you doing? You go, I don't know, I was watching TV for Charlene. And we had a pretty darn pat. My parents never believed me, but we stuck to our story hard enough. And look, I'm alive. <laughs> they didn't kill us. Yeah? So yeah, and that is the story of um, Primal Instinct? Yes. Yes. And sadly, that brings us to the end of another Story Chunder podcast, uh, but there'll be more for you in the future. We are back as a live event at Backdock Arts in Brisbane, uh, COVID pending. Uh, it's been a kind of crazy few weeks, as you all know. So we'll see how we go from here. If not, we'll just move back onto the, our online platform of InstaLive. You can like the Story Chunder across all social media platforms at the Story Chunder. Check us out on That's Not Canon Productions website. And also you can just go to thestorychunder.com. If you like what you hear, you want to be a storyteller, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from more people in the Brisbane area and, uh, you know, hear the interesting, true and unbelievable stories from your lives. Also, if you um, so feel like it, there is a PayPal <laughs> donation. So go to our thestorychunder.com and, um, and chuck with a little bit of money this way. So we'll see you next time on The Story Chunder. I hope you enjoyed our Primal Instincts episode, and we will see you next time. Take care. Be safe. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.